Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. So we often hear that uh, becoming a Christian is more than just fire insurance, uh, but what is it? What does it mean for a person to actually become a Christian? Today on The Scent Life, we want to explore that topic and how it relates to our personal evangelism and also what it relates to God's mission. Hey, welcome to The Scent Life. We're glad that you're here for our new season. I'm Scott Hildreth, and I'm in the studio today. Uh, with Keelan Cook and with uh, Steve McKinnon. And we're here today uh, to kick off a brand new season of The Scent Life. And we want to focus this season on personal evangelism. That is uh, our responsibility and really our opportunity and privilege that we have of, of telling other people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keelan, welcome back. Welcome, Scott. Glad that you're here. How was Christmas? Christmas was good. It was really good. Had a good time. I assume you did as well. I did a great time. Yep, I did. So uh, now we're back in the swing of things. New year, new season. Yeah, that's right. So the semester is getting ready to kick off right now. It sure is. Are you ready? I hope so. I hope so, too. So today we have a great privilege. We've got uh, Dr. Steve McKinnon uh, in the studio with us. Um, many of you may know Dr. McKinnon and I wrote uh, recently wrote a book on evangelism, and uh, because of that, he's in here, but he's also a professor of theology, and we thought as we kicked off uh, this season of The Scent Life, and we talked about sharing the gospel, the privilege we have of communicating the good news of Jesus Christ with those who need to hear it, those across the street, those around the world, that it would be good to just take a, a bigger look at what it means for a person to become a Christian. After all, we do hear in our churches, right, Keelan, that, uh, hey, this is more than just fire insurance. It's more than just a free ticket out of hell or, you know, something like that. But really the question is, what what happens when a person becomes a Christian? Yeah, one of the things that we want to do is we're setting out the season. It's kind of frame at the beginning for everybody, maybe some first-order conversation, some foundational conversation about what it is we're even doing what it is we're about, what are the goals, I guess, for evangelism. And uh, in order to do that, I think we've got to take one step back. Instead of talking about the proclamation of the gospel, let's talk about maybe what the gospel does mm-hmm. uh, and how it works in someone. And that's that's a conversation about conversion. It's a conversation about salvation. And so having Dr. McKinnon here is a good way to start that off, I think. You know, thanks for uh, having me in here, by the way. I uh, am so thankful for this podcast. Um, It's encouraging every time I have a chance to hear it, and I'm honored to be able to hang out with you guys a little bit and have this conversation and and talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, not just as as a professor and and as a theologian, but as a Christian Mm -hmm. myself. Um, I really do believe in the uh, significance of helping people to understand what it means to know Jesus mm-hmm. and to be made right with God um, in him. And in some ways, what happens when we talk about evangelism, if we aren't careful, is that we just start with the problems that people have. Right. And uh, I think it may be a better place for us to start with the work which God has done, hmm. meaning that the story of the gospel doesn't start with uh, Christmas, it really starts with creation, Yeah, uh, that God has made a, a, a place for people to dwell in right relationship with him, and that he made people in such a way that they are capable of right relationship with him, and he made a place for them to dwell, and that, that's his intention. I think we sometimes think that 
salvation is God walking along and finding some people who, who have ended up in a bad way and figuring out a way to help them out. Um, as though God shows up late on the scene and right, he treats right. salvation that way, um, as opposed to thinking of salvation as really having its origin in God's purposes. Mm. And that purpose is for people to be in right relationship with him. And that right relationship looks like they share in his life, um, that they are uh, empowered by his spirit to live the life that he intends for them to live, that uh, they receive his wisdom and they walk in that wisdom. You know, even when we think about the fall and uh, the sin of, of of Adam, his disobedience, he's eating from the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. which is wisdom. And so there's this sense of, um, at the very outset, God says, "I'll give you my wisdom, so don't eat of the tree that is of your own wisdom." And Adam disobeyed God's command, went and did that, and as a result. has missed out on the purposes of God. So I think we have to see salvation kind of to begin with in the context of God's purpose in creation for people um, and their their failure to live up to those purposes, as it were, and their inability to live up those purposes, and which is where sin comes in, that sin is this act of disobedience, but also this um, environment in which we live where we are inclined toward sin against God, disobedience to him, and uh, as a result of that, we all live in these active states of sinning. But we sometimes only think of sin in moral terms. Hmm. And so if we're going to think about what God does in salvation, we have to think about the need that we have being more than just the, you know, kind of having our moral indiscretions rectified, that it really has to be that there's something wrong. And the Bible calls that corruption, Hmm. that uh, sin, our, our moral indiscretions are evidence of our corrupted state. And uh, so if we see that that really is our problem and that corruption is the falling short of what God intends, as Romans tells us, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, he intends for us to, know, to, to be mature in Christ, as Colossians says, that that's the hope of glory, and we've fallen short of that maturity. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he's done something to, to uh, give that glory to us, if you will, and that is he became incarnate in Jesus, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and was raised from the dead, all so that his purposes might become complete in us. And so our moral indiscretions and, and sin as uh, acts of disobedience is important, but salvation is not just doing something with those things. It's so much more robust than that because it is uh, accomplishing in us what he has intended to accomplish at creation. So the temptation that we have is... Um to miss this big biblical vision for salvation and almost piecemeal out what happens, right? It's like, hey, do you want to be forgiven? Hey, do you want a home in heaven? Hey, do you want to be you know, right with God? And so we piecemeal this out as opposed to saying, no, this is the biblical vision for salvation. Is that what, what well, yeah, and, and it even ends up being the case that we think of salvation almost without God in, huh. in, in mind, yeah. that that God is just a means to us getting something. Getting what we yeah, want. Exactly right, right, but salvation is our getting God, yeah. as it were. I mean, it really right. is our being reconciled to him. I love the way Colossians puts this, that in Christ we have the forgiveness of sins, which is our reconciliation to God, mm-hmm. that he brings us into right relationship with himself so that we can be called sons of God, so, you know, children of God mm-hmm. by being in Jesus Christ. 
And, it, and, and I think it's important to note that the salvation that the Bible offers to us is not through Jesus, but in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're tempted sometimes to think that Jesus and God worked out a plan together. You know, the yeah. Father and the Son worked <laughs> out some plan. Jesus died, and so the Father kind of reluctantly lets us come live in his house. Mm. Instead of the, the biblical picture of salvation is the Father is sending the Son because the Father wants to be in communion with us and have us in communion with him, and the, the, the sin that we have is what prevents that communion. So we're not worshipers of God. We're not children of God. We're these uh, men and women who are in active rebellion and disobedience. He then brings us into right relationship by us being born again into Christ, which is kind of where we get what is God doing in sa- saving the individual. Mm is that he's applying this work which he has done in Jesus to the individual such that we are born a second time, this time from above and not from below, right. so that we can become children of God. Yeah, and how does this, so this, again, much more biblical, robust vision of, of, of what it means to become a Christian, relate this then to kind of the role of the evangelist, right? What are we doing and sharing when it comes to sharing the gospel with people what's the what's the goal here in some ways it's to announce something okay. it's to announce this is what god has done um it, it's not to say if you'll do x y and z then you will get something in return right. like mm-hmm. like we're selling to them some very meaningful and and profitable sure. uh, you know uh, it may be a gift. good product but it still feels like <laughs> it, a product it is, right? that's exactly right yeah. so we're not selling we're announcing something this is what god has done god in jesus christ has worked to reconcile you to himself. And he's accomplished everything that has to happen for you to be reconciled to him. Trust in him and believe. And so it, it really is evangelism as announcement, not as just presentation of some uh, steps that you can take to achieve an outcome. It is an outcome that's already been accomplished. God has done all of the steps. And so we're telling people that and we're announcing to them if you will trust in Jesus, then you will no longer be corrupt, mm-hmm. but now you will go into the grave, as it were, spiritually corrupt and be raised to incorruption. Mm-hmm. And that's then what is happening in salvation, is that our corrupt uh, nature is being buried in the waters of baptism, as it were, so that we are raised to walk in a new life. And that's not just language we use of now that you get baptized um, you know, you ought to start going to church. It is that baptism is ourselves saying what the evangelist has said, and that is, in Jesus Christ, you have been buried and you have been raised up. And so I think we start with that. You, you know, sometimes the starting place in helping people to engage with the gospel for many of us is to go to someone and to say, do you know how bad you are? And so we want to have a conversation that says, now you realize that you've sinned and you're really bad and God is really good. And because you're really bad and he's really good, you're in all sorts of trouble and he's really going to take it out on you. And people look at themselves and they think, well, I'm not very bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at have social media. Guy over watch there? The news? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got, my, you know, my neighbor's a whole lot worse than I am or the person on TV <laughs> or, or what have you. There are lots of people that are worse than I am. No matter how, how, how far from God I am, I may be still a very moral person. I can always find somebody worse than me. Always. And so sometimes the question, rather than do you realize how bad you are, it is to ask, are you a worshiper of the one true God? Hmm. Or are you a child of God? Or Hmm. do you know Jesus Christ? Are you in right relationship with him? Because, like, people aren't going to argue about that. 
it, when you're in a context that's a very churched context and you ask someone, are you a Christian? They're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. If you ask someone, uh, have you sinned? They're going to say yes. If you talk to someone who's not in a churched context and you say, have you sinned? They're going to be like Fletch lives. I don't know if you've seen the old movie before. Oh, yeah. It's like if you ever sin, it's like, well, yeah, you know. I mean, I I don't really have any pictures of it, but yeah, I've, I've done some bad things <laughs> right. before. You know, I've, I've done a I've done a bad thing here or there. So yeah, I've sinned. And people they really think that way. That right. in church we think they think like us, but they don't. They think like that. But if you said to them, "Do you live a life of worship before God?" Well, they're not going to lie and say, "Well, no, I really am doing that." Nor right. are they going to be confused. Mm, yeah. they know they don't do that. Or has Jesus Christ become the, the life, has his life become the life that you now live? Hmm. Now, when we start there, now we can reach common ground. Yeah. No, you're not a worshiper of God. And it's okay that you're not, as Paul does in Acts 17, because you can become a worshiper of God mm-hmm. by trusting in Jesus. Yeah, so I really like the way you're framing this. Um, one of the things that I feel like I'm, I'm pulling out of what you're saying here, kind of to get to some of Scott's point, about how does this affect evangelism, um, I think there's this tendency when you cast it the way we frequently cast it. Uh, you start off with, hey, look how bad you are. I've got this infomercial version of the gospel that's going to gonna sh- give you a product, so to speak, that solves your biggest problem. Yep. Uh, that's not necessarily wrong, yep, but, sure. but it solves your biggest When we cast it that way, it almost frames the gospel as a self-help story That's in right. a sense. That's right. And that takes the onus or it takes the focus a- away from what the gospel actually is providing. Yeah. Well, and it really isn't God at work then. It, right. it is you're at work. Yes. By uh, following some set of practices or a procedure to get yourself right with God. And it's very methodical mm. and process-oriented as opposed to receiving some work which mm. God has already done for you in Jesus. There, it, it really is the case that Jesus is God at work reconciling humanity to himself. Right. And if we believe that, we need to announce that to people. We need to tell people, if you, if you knew the Jesus that I know, you would know the one who is God reconciling mm. you to himself. Right. And so trust in him. Therefore, when we talk about what has God done when people become a Christian, Mm -hmm. what has actually happened is their sins have been forgiven. They've been reconciled to God so that they can become children of his. They really do have this relationship with him now. Ezekiel 36 says that we receive the spirit of God so that we can now live obediently. We receive a new heart, meaning we have a new life. Mm -hmm. We don't have this this heart of stone that's within us. We have a real heart heart the way that God has intended it to be so that we can love him and we can love others. And that becomes an end to which we can lead people in our evangelism. That's not just, man, do you really want to end up in a good place when you die? Or do you want to end up in a bad place, which is the way we normally approach it, as opposed to, would you like to know this God who formed you for the purpose of right relationship with him in the place that he has made? Or do you want to continue to live a life separate and distant from him? And that's just a that's a different kind of message because you have a different kind of goal in mind. One is to be reconciled to God and to know him. Um, and another is just to, to find some kind of fulfillment in my own life, which you can get in a whole host of different places. And, and the gospel is here to give us so much more than just the self-help that you alluded to, Keelan. Yeah, I, I really think that's a helpful way to frame the conversation. So um, 
if we, if we take this then as our starting point mm-hmm. for conversations about evangelism, uh, how do we think this helps us frame moving forward our look at evangelism? Mm-hmm. I think that's the question from here, right? Yeah, and I think I think it, it's true. It also, for one thing, I think it gives the Christian uh, evangelist um, more practical handles to talk about the gospel. If if we reduce the gospel to some form of self-help, mm. uh, a few steps or a few principles, then we are trained in evangelism. If you memorize these principles, this presentation, uh, this method, you go step one, step two, step three, and then you end up a Christian. And then a person like, okay, I need to memorize the right steps, and then I'll get there. Um, but if it's, let's talk about the, the life you have in God. Mm. Let's talk about um, the difference that you, this life has made for you in that you now relate to the God who is your creator with the hope, the peace, uh, the joy that comes from that relationship, the, the life that you have knowing that you have uh, your sins are forgiven, that you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Suddenly we all have this robust testimony of this is what God's done for me in Jesus. Would you like that too? I don't have to know the steps and principles because I have the experience of what it means not, not just to become a Christian, check these off, but to be Christian, mm-hmm. which then transforms everything that we know about, about our Christian life, but also about how to explain that to other people. Yeah, so I think there's something really important um, that you're, you're hitting on here, Scott. So we, uh, we have this conception in the way that we talk about the gospel that we, f- we almost feel like we need to start at a felt need a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. Like our approach to evangelism is we've got to wait for a moment in a conversation where we've got somebody that is— got some kind of felt need that right. we think the gospel. And so that's our hook, right? right. So we're trying to find a way to get around to, I feel unfulfilled in life mm-hmm. or I feel something. And we want the gospel to be the solution to their felt need. Um, again, maybe that's not wrong, but if we start at the position of, of worship of mm-hmm. the one true God, I think it gives us, and this is hyper-practical, but I think it gives us a lot more hooks. Sure, There's a whole lot more spots where we can enter into a conversation about what does it look like and mean to be a worshiper of the one true God. And then the reflexive question is, are you? That's right. Well, and when we, when we think of salvation in those terms, as now you've been brought out of darkness into light, that you have become a worshiper of God, that now you have become regenerate, that you are, you're born a second time, this time from above, that now you have a spiritual life and not just your your physical and fleshly life, that you you have been recreated in Christ, that there is a resurrection from the dead. I mean, all of those things are essential to what the Bible says is happening in Jesus. And I don't know that our depiction of the gospel uh, oftentimes takes into account those things. I mean, we have Jesus being raised from mm-hmm. the dead, but not recognizing our salvation is our participation mm-hmm. in that resurrection from the right, dead. Yeah. But if we do that, then it means that we don't have to convince people they're not what we're talking about. And this is what evangelism oftentimes is, is we ask someone, Scott, are you a Christian? And you say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then we have to spend 25 minutes saying, Akeelan, help me to explain to him why he's not really what he claims he is. <laughs> and we have to spend time convincing people they're not a Christian. It's just like with, it's like with atheism. An atheist says, well, I, you know, I don't, believe in, I don't believe in God. And we can say, well, if you'll describe your God to me, I probably don't believe in him either. You know, yeah, it's, right. uh, and the same things with mm-hmm. with salvation. It's like, well, I, you know, I'd, I'm saved. Well, let's define salvation to see if we're talking about the same thing. 
Um, and, and that's where I think understanding what salvation actually is, what God does whenever he redeems us in Jesus, is the starting place of the gospel, because it's that story that we're trying to tell people of what God has done in Christ to reconcile them to himself. Yep, that's exactly right. And so uh, what we want to do in this season of The Scent Life is to really unpack how it is that we can be effective and confident evangelists telling this story, this message, announcing this message to those who need to hear it. So uh, we're, we're thankful, Steve, for being here and unpacking that. And I think what we'll do next week, if you can hang around, you can come back, is let's take the next step, which is, so if this is what it means to be a Christian, how does a person become a Christian? Because after all, being an evangelist, right, is about telling someone, this is how you find Jesus, this is how you become a Christian. So let's come back next week and let's unpack a little bit more, um, or maybe a lot more, right, about exactly how a person becomes a Christian um, in this, in a way that, that really appreciates and acknowledges this robust understanding of the gospel message. Excellent. So, Steve, if you'll be back with us next week, that's what we'll do. Uh, to all of you who are listening, thank you for being with us. Again, we're really looking forward to this season. Uh, if you want to, go ahead and share this with others. We'd love for you to have as many people from your church or friends of yours as want to join us for this ride this season. To do so, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and, of course, share us on all the social media. We thank you, and this is The Scent Life.